business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Welcome to the Agency Bud podcast. On the show, we talk to CEOs and founders, agency owners and business people about the challenges they've overcome and the steps they've taken to get to where they are. You can follow along at podcast.agencybud.com. On the show, we're going to be talking to somebody amazing. We're going to introduce that person in just a second. Don't forget to check out agencybud.com. Add in our software to your business and increase your recurring revenue with agencybud.com. Let's go and meet today's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Today, we are talking to the man on the ground, and I mean that in an absolute inverted commas. Today, we have Travis White with us on the show. Now, Travis is a grounded pilot. He has been affected like the entire planet by this entire COVID-19 disaster. So not to timestamp the show, but if you're listening to this in a few years' time, I hope that this hasn't affected you in the way that it has affected every single person on the planet as we record this in 2020. Travis has come from a marketing background. He put together an, an amazing program way back when called Whitespace, which was a marketing agency. He then morphed with a much bigger marketing agency and then took to the skies as his passion for being a pilot took him to being a commercial pilot for the last four or five years. Now, what's happened since then? He's had a son, Simon, who has uh, picked up an incredible artistry and business now from being around his parents. Simon started his agency. Travis has come back in and said, hey, let me give you a hand. Like last year, 2019, October last year, Travis formed a brand new marketing agency with his son, Simon, which was called Flight Path Marketing. Incredible growth so far, but Travis is still in the skies. COVID hits March 2020, Travis is grounded, and now we need to find a way to pivot those skills, the business growth back into an environment with Simon. And here we are on the show with Travis's brand new marketing uh, agency in launch mode and incredible growth mode with his son pivoting back to old time schools and learning new time marketing. Now, with all of that being said, wow, Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Walt. Just uh, one clarification. It's actually flight plan marketing. Not flight, flight plan path. marketing. Better to have a plan than a path, in my opinion. Exactly. Flight, flight plan marketing. We'll make sure that that link is in the show. So flight plan marketing. Now, I'm fascinated by your story, man. As I'm looking, like, we, we, we interview people all over the place. You've gone from being an entrepreneur, you know, running your own show, uh, working with businesses, working in that marketing space. And then you've, you've completely pivoted and change direction. So can I'm going to dig into, into flight plan marketing. I think that's going to be an incredible story. But before we do, take us back to the, the, the early days, the white space environment where, you've, where you're running that agency and then decide to change entirely into a new sphere. How did, how did white space happen and how did that change then affect you? So white space really became uh, a job and a business for me when uh, I finished a master's degree in educational technologies uh, way back in 2000. So this is like the internet's pretty much still in its infancy. Businesses are still trying to get a hang of it. The focus that I had was on educational technologies. Um, There weren't jobs within the educational technology sector for me right away, but I found that I had a skill set where I could build tools online. Nice. And so ended up, just connecting with local small businesses that wanted to get an online presence. And this was in the early 2000s. And so this was very early days of the web. And we did some flash stuff. We did some HTML, raw HTML, just hand-coded everything. 
and one thing led to another and just started doing little projects here and there, picked up a buddy that uh, I had made connections with that had some graphic design skills. He came on board as a freelancer. We put a few projects together, met another guy that was a developer. He came on board as a freelancer and one thing led to another. And, you know, 10 years later, Whitespace had, we were putting through about a hundred projects a year and we were, I think we we're grossing about our revenues were about $500,000 a year and it was kind of just clipping along. But I came to the point where I just kind of looked at myself and went, you know what? I'm getting kind of tired of chasing bills with clients, trying yeah. to chase the next project. You know, it was at that cusp where, you know, I could go big or I could bug out. And we were holidaying a little bit to the southern U.S. in Arizona, actually, where my parents were snowbirds. And I just kind of fell in love with being in the sun and being somewhere where I could golf. So my wife has American citizenship. So we actually looked at the idea of packing up lock, stock and barrel and moving to the U S and through that process, it was like, well, what do I do with white space? Well, I could continue to run it while I'm down there. And then at the same time, one of the colleagues that uh, was, you know, in charge of bubble up the company that we had been referring a bunch of business to, he said, we'd be interested in acquiring your, your company. And I said, Hey, Let's talk. And so literally my team of five merged with his team of eight and we took on the world and I bugged out of the country, literally wow. left Canada a month after we signed all the paperwork kind of thing. And I stayed on as a contractor just for whatever I could do to help. Wow. And it wasn't until I was actually down in Arizona where I was trying to figure out, hey, where's the next stage of my life going to go? that I started looking and realizing the opportunities. I mean, Arizona is the flight training capital of the world because of the weather conditions down sure. there. So I realized there was an airport and a, a flight training program 30 minutes from my house where I could train to become a commercial pilot and two years later be in the sky flying jets. Wow. So the, uh, the dream that I had as a kid of becoming a pilot that was kind of grounded when we just didn't have the money to make that work finally became a reality because I had some buyout money from the sale of the business. I had an opportunity and I had everything laid out right in front of me in Arizona to do it. So we did it. And wow. it was uh, it was a, a no looking back kind of thing. And through the five years that I've been transitioning into this career, it was it was really fully planning on leaving the marketing world and digital world behind, but still dabbling. Let's put it that way. Sure. So pilots spend a lot of time on the ground, whether you're in a hotel room in a beautiful city and you get in there at midnight and you got to check out the next day at six o'clock in the afternoon, you have a fair bit of time in the place. So you're usually going out and walking around, but then when it's rainy, you can't do a whole lot. So I'd flip up my laptop and was teaching myself some new skills and, and that. So I could never get that far away from it, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but the flying was definitely where the passion was. Wow. I love it. Um, tell me about the first time the wheels went up in your training, you've had that dream all your life. I'm sure you've done a bunch load of study. And then yeah. there was the day that you actually got to sit up the front for the first time. Tell me about that. It was, uh, it was quite something. We, I got up as a kid a couple of times. A buddy of my dad's had a float plane and he would come out to the cabin a couple of times and took us up for a ride. And that was pretty cool. I don't think I ever got to sit in the front seat back then, but um, when I started looking around at places to, to start my flight training, everybody said, well, have you been up in a little plane before? And I said, yeah, but I haven't been up for like 30 years. They're like, well, you need to get up in a plane. 
So I went out and uh, did one of these things they call a discovery flight, basically, where they pair you up with a, an instructor and they take you up and they, they take it off the ground, but then they say, here, take the controls. So you take the controls and you're literally up there and you're 5,000 feet up and you're looking down and you can see the golf courses and the green and stuff like that. And you're just doing this and the plane is doing that. And it's just the coolest thing in the world. Then he comes back and he's like, well, do you want to see a touch and go? And a touch and go is cool where you come down you're going to land, you touch the wheels and then you fire it back up and you take off. So he executed that, the, the instructor. And I was hooked literally in the middle of that, in the middle of that touch and go, I was hooked. This is what I was going to do for the rest of my career. He looks over and goes, you thumbs up. And I'm like, yeah, two thumbs up. (laughs) So I put your thumbs down, put them back on the yoke, man. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. So then, you know, it's a couple of years journey from, from that, that hooked moment to, to uh, getting a full license from there. Yeah, I really, I had no idea how long it was actually going to all take. Like I had my licenses within six months and 200 flight hours, 250 flight hours, but going from there to getting a job actually flying is quite a journey. Usually you end up going up and fly bush planes or I ended up joining up with a a small charter company and throwing bags. Here it is a 40 year old guy, you know, that has, you know, made pretty good income in in the past. I'm crawling into the belly of a 737 loading bags because this is what you do. You get into an organization and you prove your worth. You learn the ropes from the ground up, similar to what I was doing 20 years before that in the marketing world. So here I am, 40-year-old guy slinging bags. Then my chance for the flight line comes up and I start flying, start flying little small planes. You know, we put six people in the back, fly those, you know, up to fishing charters, oil camps, stuff like that couple years later start flying planes with 19 passengers in the back now we're doing a little bit bigger trips we're going out to the coast we're taking fishing trips and then from there it was building the hours and it was all about getting to the magic hours of 1500 hours and at 1500 hours i was able to apply to the big airlines and got on with westjet uh one of the big airlines in canada here flying the regional routes so i now fly a plane that holds 78 passengers and we go pretty much all over canada wow travis I remember when my first daughter was born and somebody mentioned that this would be the case and I didn't realize it would until it happened. That day when, when I took her and my wife, of course, home from the hospital, I'd been driving a car for all of my life, you know, I guess 20 something years, but having a little person and there's a passenger in the back completely freaked me out. I remember that drive because it was the most tense I've ever been behind the wheel. How was it when you had passengers in the back? You know, the funny thing is, you don't even think about it. You is that really, right? It's, you're so well-trained. And the airline industry is, I mean, it prepares professional pilots. Right. And so the, the processes and the, the checklists and everything that you go through, the minute you sit down and you, you, know, you start to fire up the engines, it's, it's like this... It's like this You're zoning straight in. You're just zoned in. And it's, I would almost probably equate it. Like I've, I've been a, a pretty good golfer all of my, my life kind of thing. And I've found that the best games that I've ever played are when you're, when you're in the zone, you don't even notice the people that are, you know, walking on the side, or you don't even notice the guy that you're playing with as he sneezes or something like that. You're just in the zone. And I've really felt that ever since that first day that I got in that commercial aircraft is that you're in the zone. You're the simulator training that you go into and you spend hours and hours and hours in the simulators. It is for, from your seat back forward, it is the aircraft. And so you spend hours and hours. So 
it really wasn't a whole lot of difference actually realizing that instead of just an instructor behind me one seat, it was actually 78 passengers back there. No it didn't even phase me. No in phase because you're in the zone. And whatever happens, I mean, I've had all kinds of stuff go sideways on me when you're flying and you're just in the zone. And, you know, I'll get back later and friends will say, well, you know, did you get panicked about it? Like, what did you think about this when you couldn't get your gear down or you couldn't get your gear up or what'd you do? You just, you're so trained that you literally pull out the checklist and you start working your way down. Wow. The, the airline that I'm at now um, has a, an extensive training program and it's world renowned, their training program that they put people through. So it's the coolest thing I'd ever heard of. So the first time when you're up and you have something not right, like, you know, you lose an engine or, you know, you hit a bird or something. All you do is you take a deep breath and you say, what's the problem? And you've got a co-pilot beside you. And the two of you now zone in to problem solving mode. And that problem solving mode has been, you know, just ingrained in me right from, you know, early days in university, all through my experiences with the marketing world and stuff like that. It's all about problem solving. And so you just, you take your zoned in, but you take a step back from the situation and you just work through the situation. You work through it methodically. If I do this, I do that. I do this. I do that. I do this. I do that. You work with your colleague that you're sitting beside. And then we've got, you know, radios. We can talk to the guys on the ground. We can talk to dispatch. We can talk to the air traffic control and you just literally work through the process. And I think, I think we've just covered an entire MBA of business in the last five minutes. Let me, let me highlight two incredibly major lessons. Actually three, let's go with three major lessons that I've picked up in the last five minutes. Number one, when you were chasing a passionate dream, you found yourself slinging bags. And your comment was, because you do what you have to do to get into that space. And that can be absolutely lesson number one. Lesson number two, the world revolves, the professional world revolves around ingrained training and incredible checklists. Let that be lesson number two, because then you can really build something that you can depend on when you're 5,000 feet up and something goes wrong, right? And lesson number three, which I find just, uh, you know, as I said, this is the honest part of the MBA in marketing and, and business, is that when faced with a problem, the question is, what is the problem? And the solution is known and Add, add, your, add your PhD to the, to the degree that I'm talking about because then you talk about the fact that you've got people on the radio that you can reach out to. So we focus on the problem. We focus on our knowledge and the checklists and, the, and the, the skills that we have. And then at the same time, we reach out to the people around us and say help. And with all of those things put together, A, we save lives and B, we land safely and C, we get to do it all again next time. Like, that, you know, everything has a metaphor I've found in my life. I found that, you know, that, that's incredible. But wow, that's, that's such a cool phase of, of knowledge and learning to go through, you know, with that story, Travis. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I think that's, that's super cool. So yeah, I, I, think, that's, I think that's absolutely amazing and, and stunning that that has come so, su- such a fruition. I want to wind back, though, like maybe 10 minutes in this conversation when you're talking about white space. And what was interesting for me was the first words you mentioned, the first things that came out of your mouth was white space became a job and a business for me. And 
when I heard you say that, I went, ooh, something there to an entrepreneur feels stale. And then, you, you know, as the story evolved, you're talking about, you know, you're getting started going chasing clients and doing like that. It went from being something that you were passionate about and it became a job that you were frustrated by. And you, you were fortunate. You got to bug out. You got to buy out, you know, and go and chase your dreams. But can I ask you now, now we're grand, we're going to talk about this pivot a lot more because I think that's a fascinating topic. But now that you are back into a business owner entrepreneur mode, what have you learned from those days at Whitespace that you're now taking forward into flight plan with your son and, and trying not to repeat some of those mistakes from the early days? You know, I think it boils down to really two main things. Number one, it's all about the team, the team that you put together. So right now it's, it's Simon and I taking on the world. And I got a few guys that are in the back of my mind that I would like to bring on at some point. Um, we read the book, uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins um, in the early white space days. And there was two concepts in there that I really honed in on. One was his hedgehog concept, which was um, the fox is the main predator for the hedgehog and the fox has all these different tricks that he can do. But the hedgehog has got one trick. His hedgehog trick is to turtle and then he can protect himself. So for us in business, it's always been about taking a problem solving first mentality into every project. And so that's been key is, is solidifying no matter what project that you take on, you take it on from a problem solving perspective. And you just heard my passion, how problem solving has just come out in flight and in business and everything else. So that's number one. Number two is it's okay to say no. Mm. Uh, that was a problem that I really had in the earlier days with white space is we were, we kind of grew pretty quickly and then I brought people on board and we got to the point where you couldn't say no. And that was tough. And now I've realized the pains of not saying no and that uh, the pains are way outweigh you know, the benefits. So yeah. now I am saying no to projects, to clients, to offers from colleagues and stuff like that, because it helps, it helps keep me in the zone because mm. you don't have all this noise that's mm. out there. Mm. Uh, so choosing the right projects, choosing the right teammates, knowing when to say no, those, that's, that's the key from there. It doesn't matter if you're selling, you know, shoes or you're doing lawns or you're flying airplanes. If you kind of get those two things sort it out, you'll do okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, and keeping that, keeping that focus. I like the, um, uh, I like that focusing on your one skill or the, you know, your point of difference, your hedgehog theory, keeping that, you know, tight because that can yeah. save your life, keep you, keep you moving forward, you know, do all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and also allow you as a business to grow if you become a specialist in a particular area. And then of course saying, no, I, I've, I've, a lot of people struggle with that. I, I certainly have myself. And, and here's the reality. If you say yes to a project that's not quite right, now your time is completely blocked where you could have had that ability to bring in the projects that were right and do an amazing job. Um, Travis, before we started recording, one of the things that we talked about, like when I'm, when I'm reaching out to people for these interviews, um, quite often, quite often people will say, oh, sure, I'd love to do the interview. What kind of things are we going to talk about? And I send them a question. And if, if you're watching this on our, on our streaming I have a list of questions and it's laminated to make sure that I, you know, stay on part. We never, we never get to those questions because the conversations are so fascinating. They're just kind of, they go down that, uh, that natural path. But Travis, you were the one person that actually responded to those questions with beautifully written answers 
to each one of those questions. And, and I asked you if we could publish those uh, along with this interview. So guys, make sure that you, you track down this interview on our actual site and read through Travis's answers because some of the first answers that you bring up are amazing. And I just want to focus on one of them. You talked about uh, in your answers, and, and again, I'm not going to spoil the surprise. Okay, I want you guys to go and read Travis's answers because they're fascinating. But one of the answers that I loved was my question written was, do you remember your first client? And you said yes. And then you told me how that first client came to be. Can you, can you relay that answer for me? Because I think uh, in terms of starting businesses and in terms of um, you know, getting the right clients at the beginning and, and, and growth and all the kind of things that we want to focus on, your answer there about how you met that person and then how that became a, a client uh, and a golfing buddy, you know, is something I think a lot of people would benefit from. How did that all come together, the first client? So I think you're referring to the, the first client that I had with a realtor in, the, uh, in that networking group. Yeah. So I was, um, I was actually out at a, just an event for, for small business owners and uh, met with this fellow and struck up a conversation. He said he was a part of a networking group. So I was going to a Chambers of Commerce thing, which was this loosey-goosey group of business owners in a town. And there's, you know, there's 10 realtors and five mortgage brokers and six guys doing websites and, and all that kind of stuff. But this guy, he pulled me aside and he said, you know what? I think you'd be a great fit for our other group. And this other group was called BNI, Business Networking International. And the whole difference maker in this organization is that there's one realtor, one mortgage broker, one web guy, one guy doing blinds, one guy doing plumbing. And so it's a really focused group. So the client, the fellow that actually brought me to the meeting quickly became a client because he saw the value that I could bring to the group. He saw the value that, you know, how I was interacting with him and it was, it was really cool how that unfolded because your, your question was about how did I prospect my first client? And it was f- kind of interesting how it was really a matter of just working on relationships that, interesting. That, that, this, that this fellow became a client. Now, the and, reason I wanted to highlight it, Travis, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no worries. I, I, I mentioned before, I've, we've interviewed a lot of people and I actually did a specific post on this one thing, which was at nine out of 10, and I'd probably even go nine and a half out of 10 times when we ask an agency owner, a business owner, if we took you out of your current environment and we put you in a foreign city and we told you to get started again, what would you do? Nine and a half out times out of 10, that person, the first thing that comes out of their mind is I get involved in a networking group. I'd get to meet some business people and I'd start forming those relationships. Now, the reason I wanted to highlight that in your answers was because now you've gone from white space. You, like, you had an agency that you ended up you know, selling, going through the pilot route, as we talked about. And now, coming back to 2019, you've put the, the marketing hat back on again. You've formed a new company with, with your son, with Simon. And I'm, I, again, I know the answer because I've got your, your written uh, answers here. But tell me, as you started this new company, how did you start to bring new clients into that new environment? What was your first move? The first move was actually to go back where I was. It's just like a little bit of a trip down memory lane kind of thing. So uh, I had a very good network built up through the white space days. And they, they were, how I'm looking back at it now, they were Travis's clients as opposed to Whitespace's clients. And they were mm. relationships and it was all about relationships. I mean, we had, you know, three, 400 clients at the time that we were acquired by 
uh, my bubble up there, but it was, it was going back into that old Rolodex and figuring out, you know, reconnecting with old, with old people that we had done work with or people that we were even just colleagues with where we were, you know, shared similar interests. You know, we were on the golf, you know, we played in the golf tournament together kind of thing through the BNI. It was just going back into those, those relationships and, and reigniting those relationships and, and everybody going, I can't believe you were a pilot. Tell me about that. And what are you doing now? Cause we had heard that you had sold your business and we didn't know what was happening. We heard you'd left the country. Yeah. Well, I did country. several times a day actually. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, and they're like, you know what, you got a great network here. I think, you know, that's a place to go prospecting. So, uh, that has been probably the first place where I've started a prospect is just going back oh, into diving into old relationships. The second one is there's a ton of other pilots also on the ground right now. Now, this is fascinating. And these guys are not seeing their way back into an airplane in any time soon. So these guys are pivoting on their own. So we're actually forming little cohorts with you know, pilots that are, you know, starting a deck building business, starting a, a guy, I'm working with a pilot that's writing a book. Uh, Fantastic. There's other pilots on the ground trying to pivot too. And, um, and they're really relying on me because I've done this before. Yeah. I've done the pivot. I've done the build before. And so I'm now actually finding that, you know, I'm, I'm getting asked, you know, not necessarily always about, you know, digital marketing projects, but how do you build a business kind nice. of stuff? Absolutely. So I'm, doing some coaching, showing guys, you know, where to go, how to, what's the difference between a sole proprietor and a corporation? You know, how do you get the right accountant on board? You know, those, those kind of things. So in the last even few weeks, these kind of conversations are coming up because there's guys looking to pivot and they want somebody that's been there and done it. And so, wow. I love it. Um, so let's talk about the pivot. You, you, you'd always, as you mentioned, you're in the hotels, you flip open the laptop, you're, you're skilling up, um, Starting, I think, flight plan was October last year, if, if I'm uh, yeah, remembering that right. Yeah, corporation formed in October. If corporation formed in October. So probably there were some projects. Okay, hey, yeah. we better put the right hat on here and, you know, get everything yeah. in play. So, you know, this is kind of just running on the side. Simon's taking the main lead. You're doing a few bits and pieces for fulfillment here and there. And then 2020 hits. And yeah. you get that call email. I'm not sure how it happened. Dragged into a meeting room. The whole world's going to ground and the pilots along with it. How was your mindset on the day that you got stood down? You know, it was really, because it kind of all happened over a period of time. There was, uh, we were unionized. So it wasn't just an overnight kind of thing because there was contracts already in place. And so sure, yeah, the, the pandemic, you know, could, you know, trigger off the, you know, the act of God clauses to, you know, to free everybody from contracts. But um WestJet really took a, a pilot first approach to it and said, you know what, okay, we're not going to just do this willy nilly. So it kind of evolved over a period of time. And uh, one of the first options that they actually gave was a, a voluntary layoff option to the pilots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually threw my hand up for that. But my, because um, I knew that I could probably, with the skill set, jump back into something in the, in the digital world. Uh, and I didn't get it because I was still low enough on the seniority list that I didn't actually get the layoff. And so I ended up having to go and fly all of April. And so instead of an 80 hour uh, flying in the month, we flew like 30 hours. So it wow. was crazy. So there was a lot of times where we're, you know, up at the front of the aircraft and there's two passengers on a 78 passenger plane in the back. <laughs> we flew even empty legs. We flew one passenger on a two hour trip and brought nobody back. Wow. And so there's four crew on board. And it was in a bunch of those flights in April where it was like, this is real. Like, yeah. sure, we might not have, I might have gotten, you know, off unscathed for the first round, but I knew that the, 
you know, you can only fly so many empty planes before they realize that they're going to start chopping flights. And they did. They just started chopping flights. And so I remember actually being on a one particular flight with uh, a, a new captain that I'd never flown with before. And we were both kind of looking at each other going, we're expecting the call or the email any day now because the layoffs are coming. They, they just have to be coming. And so we were, we were flying up to, it was a night flight. We're flying up and we just talked about like, what are you going to do now? Yep. And he was talking about that he was, you know, he had been involved in doing some uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so offering some courses to pilots and training. Uh, and he's like, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I kind of got this thing that I've kind of been, you know, growing for a while. I think I'm going to have to dive back into that. And it was really in that conversation that the two of us had where we realized that we both had backup plans. Nice. Uh, and that, you know, looking back now at an entire career, it was all about having a backup plan, whether it's in a project or whether it's in your life or in your careers or whatever, the backup plan is essential. So I actually was, you know, realizing that, you know, I might not be play- flying this airplane, you know, tomorrow. Hmm. But I've got a backup plan and it was actually comforting to to know that I could slide back into something pretty easily. And nice. it wasn't a never, it wasn't a never like a, an, oh my goodness, like, what am I going to do next kind of thing? Uh, honestly, I went into problem solving mode, right? Yeah, of you course. This, you go into this and yeah. you do this and you do so that. You use the word comforting. You were, you were, you were okay with what was about to happen. Like you, you already had that okay, I, I, I'm going to be okay. I know a lot of other people haven't been in that situation and, and my heart goes out to them. But you, you used the word comforting. You were comforted by the fact that you had, okay, cool. I've got skills. I can turn those skills around. Your colleague, uh, you know, looking at teaching, has he gone into that space? Is he, yeah, is he okay? Uh, so he, I haven't talked to him a, uh, for quite a while now, but uh, he was in the flight training world. So it, yep. again, it's everything's all, you know, I hate to use the word analogy up in the air, but it it really is like (laughs) nobody knows what's going to happen. Like entire departments, recruiting departments, uh, are don't exist in airlines anymore. And the craziest thing happened because in, in March, the start of March, uh, there was an incredible shortage of pilots in the world to the point where airlines were panicking on how they can get people trained up fast enough to fill these airplanes to fill the, the the flight loads. Wow. So we we went from a severe pilot shortage to a severe pilot surplus in 30 weeks. days. Yeah, two weeks. Less than that. In literally two weeks when when those first oh. diagnoses happened in North America um, and and we realized that we're in Canada, everything that happens in the States comes to Canada eventually. And it was just a matter of how quickly could those dominoes fall. And it literally went boom in yeah. two weeks. And we went from 2,500 pilots at WestJet down to about 400 pilots. Wow. And literally over a course of about 30 days with the layoffs and the and the leaves and stuff like that, they lo- they dropped a significant portion of their pilots. Wow. So Highly that- trained people. You know, and this is not just the pilot industry. It's not just that particular company. It's every airline across. It's every hotel. It's every, you know, tourism-based operation. It's every restaurant. Like, the devastation's massive. So, Travis, can I ask you about the actual day that you got the call or the email or the meeting or whatever? How did that happen? Well, funny thing is, I have it right here. And you got the letter. I, I got the layoff letter, and it, it, sits, on my, it sits on my wall, um, so I remember I knew the layoff letter was coming yeah. and actually I think I got it the, when I was driving home 
from the airport the day that I flew with that captain. That's wow. Exactly so you'd had that conversation on that day. Had that conversation. We knew that it was coming. Yeah. Um, when you're up in the air, you're disconnected. So for you know two or three hours at a time, we we weren't able to you know hear what was buzzing on in our pilots group on Facebook or or to see our company email. But we knew that something was going to be coming within that time. So uh, got that email. Uh, first thing I did was then did this. I made myself a layoff to-do list. Fantastic. Literally, literally the email came, I pulled out a sheet of paper and I wrote out my layoff to-do list. And it was everything from setting up my home office because I I really didn't have a place to do anything with. Uh, I needed to start the EI applications because I didn't know what that was going to do. I even put on here, change the oil in the car, right? Like I just needed to to be able to get to a client. Need to be able to get to a client, but I needed to have my checklist of things to do to keep me focused. Otherwise you just end up not being able to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, You know, you just stuck in inaction and I'm an action kind of guy. So I needed my, my checklist and I've gotten everything checked off on here except for two things. I don't think I'm going to get my summer tires taken off the car because it's midway through the summer already. So uh, that just didn't work out because it cost a fair bit of money to get the tires chained over. And the other one was there's one exam that I need to take in my pilot, my very last exam that I need to take. And um, I can't even do that right now. It's to study for it and to take that exam because the, the organization that administers the exam isn't even open right now because the civil servants aren't manning the offices right now. So I've, I've got that one left on my to-do list that I really can't check off and it's making me crazy that I can't put that final. I love it. I love it. Um, now, wh- one of the things, again, that I, I wanted to refer back to the, the list of questions that you sent through, again, which to me reads like the manual for getting started in business. The, the last par- part of that question and answer um, series, you talked about your plans now for flight plan marketing. And you, you talked about the growth, the, the uh, revenue target, and you talked about then the plan of handing over the reins to a GM, you know, along with Simon in, in, in a role where you're able to uh, uh, build an asset to a particular revenue level, take a step back from that asset and get back in the air, obviously, when all of that comes to pass. I think from a business owner's point of view, and I just want to focus on this for a second, I, I love this ability of entrepreneurs to create an asset from nothing. From nothing, you can create an asset over a few years that then has an incredible saleable value or ongoing revenue uh, income stream, and you can then go and do the next, the next part. Yeah, the next part. You go, you've got a plan, like flight plan marketing. What an incredible uh, you know, a, a metaphor again. You've got a plan not only for the takeoff, for the journey, for the destination, for the landing, and for the walk from the tarmac back to the hangar. You literally have a plan from takeoff to exit, built and ready to roll. Do you find that that keeps you focused? Yeah, entirely keeps me focused because again, it's, it's, it's that plan. It's that guide because when, you know, if I can't meet my sales targets this month, um, I, I don't need to slip into panic mode because I know that the plan is there. The plan is solid. I've done it before. It's a matter of just going back to the basics and, and trusting in the plan. Nice. Uh, one of the biggest things that we learn as a pilot is it's not okay to just have the one plan. It's, it's okay to, it's not okay just to have the one plan to get to your destination. We plan every flight with an alternate. 
so that if we get to that destination, we can't land there, weather's crappy, something's going sideways, we've got a backup plan, our plan B. Um, that's, it's, it's always that backup plan, it's the plan B, it's the plan for the diversion kind of thing. So it's never enough just to plan to the destination, it's to plan to the destination and go, oh crap, we can't do this, we're going over here. And again, it's that having that kind of a plan in place and realizing that there is a time when you will have to divert. And we use the term divert um, in the air. And uh, if this plan doesn't go completely as I have it laid out here and I have to divert, it might be a diversion because I can't actually get back up in the air because the, the flights don't ever start back up again. So this might be a permanent position. So again, having the backup plan that, you know what, maybe there is another plan that I need to make at that time, but at least you've got something as a target. Wow. Travis, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and business people and I, I'm passionate about the mental health side of things that entrepreneurs go through. Um, especially, um, solopreneurs where, you know, you're working in the digital world, you know, you can, you can reach out to freelancers. You've got people that are doing tasks for you. Uh, you can build an entire company and just be you in the office. Um, and there's a lot of mental health struggles that entrepreneurs go through and it's not talked about very often. And the, the, the majority of those, in my opinion, come from, from two main areas. And again, this is my opinion. This is not clinical, but the, the two main areas that, that create those mental health issues are number one, anxiety from a, um, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to solve this. I have no idea, you know, like what are we going to, where are we going to get the next client from? I, you know, are we going to be able to pay rent next month? Do like, da, 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 da. And the, the heart rate's going up, the pressure's piling on, the to-do list is getting longer. There's no, blah, 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 blah. And I say that, you know, not to dive too deep into a dark hole. The anxiety brings that incredible stress and pressure, which causes all kinds of things, depression and, and, you know, anxiety issues and alcoholism and lots and lots and lots of issues as a result of that. And the other area that, um, that, that is coupled with is overwhelm, you know, in, in terms of there's so much that gets loaded onto an entrepreneur from so many different angles that it just never seems to have a clear path forward. What I love about what you said was that it's the plan and the diversion, you know, if you have to divert, and it's the comfort, I want to use that word again, about having that in place and feeling okay with whichever plan we go with. Because we end up, you know, in a business situation, we end up in a sales negotiation, we end up in a empty calendars looking for a client situation. And if you've got the plan that looks three years out and says, well, you know what, hey, maybe we have to divert right now and do something a little bit different, head over here instead of head over there. The reality is that's okay because you already have the plan that says, that says it's okay. You know, and when you land on the ground and you're in a completely different air- airport or you're in a completely different state and maybe that's permanent, the comfort, I can see it coming through the video that we've got here. I can see the comfort that says, you know what, that's okay. Because we get to take off from a different place, again, using that metaphor. We get to recreate another plan. We get to redo the thing, and that's okay because we can manage to get through it. I think that kind of, that kind of wisdom, that kind of calming effect is, is something really needed, not only in a marketing space and a digital space right now, but in an entrepreneurial and a business space. As we look at what's happening around the globe, 
that ability to take a step back. And I hope guys, if you're listening to this, you're on a treadmill somewhere, you're, on a, you're, you're in the car driving, maybe you're watching this, you know, I hope you can take that advice from Travis, you know, put things on autopilot just for two minutes, take that step back and make a plan. And then realize that the, whatever's at the end of that plan is okay. And from there you get to make another one. I love that wisdom, man. Good. I hope many people do take that to heart and that they get some comfort in that because um, I was a budding entrepreneur 20 years ago and I fell into the same pits uh, that I'm trying to help people steer away from. And uh, your podcast is, is bringing light to those pits and letting people know that there is comfort to be found in, in the plan. Yeah, absolutely. And in the pivot, in the pivot, I, I was talking to a, a very good friend, uh, he's become a good friend, a gentleman named Mark Laxton, who was a firefighter in uh, the UK and they changed the pension rules. And Mark had been a, a firefighter for 25 years and was looking forward to the, you know, um, serviceman's pension and all that kind of stuff. And then they changed the pension to the fact that he wasn't even going to be able to survive and, and, and keep his family intact after so many years of service. He had to pivot. And he's pivoted successfully to become one of the best YouTube marketers that I know. Uh, so he's now teaching other people in the fire department how to do marketing exercises on YouTube. Uh, successfully. He's, mm. he's gone from, he's pivoted, he's upskilled, and then he's taking that skill and turned himself into a teacher for other people in the same position. So you were talking about the pivot that you already had the plan. And there's a lot of pilots that you are now working with. So guy's building a deck. This guy, you know, has some skills in another area and you're able to take your marketing skills and your ability to teach and work with those guys and say, Hey, look, everything's okay. Are we going to just see, and, and uh, this, I hope this sparks an idea for you. Are we going to see Travis and Simon White's pilots on the ground instructional course about pivoting and about setting up businesses? Are we going to see that as a formal thing moving forward? <laughs> uh, very well could be. Uh, I, I so. can't say no. Like it, uh, I th- the school of hard knocks teaches us some pretty good lessons. And um, I've always wanted to learn lessons from people that have learned their own lessons. And so I think that I've got something that I can bring. And so if we can, uh, we can make something like that work, there's going to be a lot of people, whether they're pilots or whether their industry has just crumbled from the hotel industry or the tourism industry, there's going to be a ton of people in the next year that are figuring out because the government benefits that everybody's been riding for a while, they're going to, they're going to run out and the government's going to eventually go, okay, it's time to do something else. Um, and I want to position our business to be there as a catch for those guys to say, hey, you know what, we did this. And they might say, how did you get to this point? Well, I, I did it once before. I'm doing it again. I'm just three, four months ahead of you because I jumped on it at that time. Um, it doesn't mean to say that you can't jump on, but they need some support. And so yeah. I, I really can see being able to be a resource to these these other grounded or <laughs> these other folks that have had to pivot because their industry yeah. has completely been decimated. Yeah, absolutely. I always say to people that um, the, the term entrepreneur, um, many people throughout their life would never see themselves in that way. They would say, no, 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 I'm not an entrepreneur. I, you know, I, I, like my, I like my paycheck. I like my stability. Mm-hmm. I like you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I never see myself as an entrepreneur. Interestingly, though, coming and you know, talking through the flight plan and talking through what happens when you're sitting down and you're in the zone and you're ticking off a checklist, and when you get to that wheels falling off moment or, or landing gear not coming down moment and problem solving is the skill of the entrepreneur. And I think now as the world's going crazy and that 
uh, realization for people, as you said, that the the government funding is you know, come on, it's not an it's not a bottomless pit. The government's done an incredible job of of supporting up until this point, but come on, there's got to be some spark. If you have the ability to make a plan and problem solve, you are an entrepreneur. Whether you've been paid by the hour or not, now you have the opportunity to problem solve along the way and and get paid for that solution that you bring to any problem. I love that, Travis. I love the fact that you're bringing that that, um, awareness to people who have to pivot right now. I love the fact, of course, that you're building the flight plan marketing agency and helping businesses by utilizing your skills. Like that's, that's our bread and butter. That's our jam. We love that. It's, you know, that's what we've built our entire business on. Um, so kudos to that. But I also, I hope that as people are watching this, listening to this, they can really take comfort in the fact that pivots are available. You know, problem solvings are just one problem at a time. And of course you can reach out to Travis. I noticed if, um, that you are not a prolific tweeter. Your last tweet was in 2017. It was about a beautiful uh, view from, from somewhere. I, I think the, uh, the view now is going to be changing, but the beauty certainly is not going to go anywhere. How can people follow along with uh, flight plan marketing with you guys, with what you're doing? Is there an opportunity for, uh, I've, I've loved this wisdom, by the way. So that's why I would love for other people, if you've enjoyed this, um, to be able to, to see you know, that there is uh, an alternate airport that you can land in right now. <laughs> Let's keep that metaphor going. Um, yeah. How can people follow along with you? Uh, probably the simplest way is just through Instagram, starting with that one. Um, I used a personal Instagram channel a lot when I was transitioning as a pilot and I've got some great views in there, but I realized that an Instagram channel is a great place for the business too. So, uh, we're just flight plan marketing, uh, on Instagram and all one word kind of thing in the, in the handle there. And we're on there and we're growing. And, uh, I try to mix a little bit of the metaphor of the flying in with the, uh, the business building, because for me, they've gone hand in hand and I think absolutely. A lot of things that, uh, that are the same. And even on Instagram or on my LinkedIn profile, I'm just Travis White. T-R-A-V-I-S-W-H-Y-T-E. Fantastic. We're going to make sure that those links are there. I've really enjoyed the opportunity to, uh, to bounce back and forth, man. Like spending this flight time with you has been a real joy for me. And it's uh, certainly been first class all the way. I really appreciate it. Travis White, ladies and gentlemen, from Flight Play Marketing with his son, Simon, building incredible businesses through marketing and websites. You can get in touch with Flight Play Marketing. And of course, uh, jump onto the Instagram channel. We'll make sure that that's there as well. Travis, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Walt. It was a pri- privilege to chat with you. And uh, it, uh, it got me going again. I like it. Fantastic, mate. Cheers. We'll speak soon. Okay, thanks. Hey everyone, it's Walt and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there. So you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.